The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The following program is a podcastwarm.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Ragile. It must be Italian. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the part of thunder. And rock and roll. The spell you run down has been broken by Chris Jericho. The People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride. Oh, come, holy faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to. Bethlehem. <laughs> Woo! It's Christmas Eve here. It's so funny how that song sounds exactly like We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. And Dee did not even realize that until it was pointed out by one of his bandmates on tour. We talk all about that. Dee Snyder spreading some good cheer coming up on the show. He's got a new musical playing, Broadway musical playing at the Broadway Theater in Chicago. Dee Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas. I went and saw this show. Have you seen A Rock of Ages? It's got the same tone as that. It's very funny, uh, very poignant, a great group of actors playing and singing their own tunes. Uh, It's about a a kind of a washed-up 80s rock band in 1993 that sells their soul to the devil to become famous. But there's a twist. They sell their soul to Satan, but there's a plot twist that even I didn't see coming. They can't stop playing Christmas music no matter how evil they want to be. They still keep playing amazing Christmas music. And in the end, they learn the true meaning of Christmas. It's a great show. I went and, I went and checked it out myself. Uh, if you are in the Chicago area, you got to go check it out. It plays until mid-January. And D is planning on franchising this. He wants to take it all across the states, have multiple shows running. You're going to see this. He's a real motivational guy. He's a real uh, courageous guy. He's got a lot of dreams. He's very goal-oriented. He reminds me of me. He reminds me of the big guy, Ryback. He reminds me of Paul Stanley, last week's guests, getting huge, great reviews for both of those shows. Go check out Rock and Roll Christmas, D. Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas. You can still get tickets on dsnyder.com. We talk all about the uh, infancy of the show, how it came to fruition. We talk about what it's like to put together a Broadway play. How do you even do that? Plus, we hit on his band, Twisted Sister, how they became super huge and then practically overnight had a huge downward spiral as well. He talks about the time in his life, how he managed to come through that to an even better place. Talk about his voiceover 
Fireworks, SpongeBob SquarePants, Celine Dion, Twisted Sisters album, uh, heavy metal Christmas songs called A Twisted Christmas. So many great stories from D. He's a super funny guy. I did this backstage at the Broadway Theater in Chicago. People were constantly coming in the room to say hi to him. He's super popular. Uh, he, he's the boss of that production, and everybody loves D. Snyder. So do I. I knew he'd be a great guest. He was a great guest. Listen, you want to buy some Twisted Sister albums? Stay Hungry is still one of the greatest rock records of all time. You can't stop rock and roll. A Twisted Christmas. Let's even get into some of the uh, lesser-known albums like Hot Love. Uh, Love is for Suckers was the name of the record. You can get all this stuff on Amazon using the talk as Jericho links. You know where to find them. You know what I'm going to say. You go to podcastone.com. You click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button. Easiest way to support the show because every time you use one of my Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover production costs i got links for amazon usa amazon uk amazon canada a you get all kinds of cool stuff on amazon twisted sister records the new fozzy record do you want to start a war the song do you want to start a war the title track video is up now on youtube the single will start making the rounds getting heavy rotation in january when the radio stations unlock their uh, playlists plus there's my new book and my third new york times bestseller the best in the world at what i have no idea people are saying it's the best chris jericho book they've read i have to agree i love it i hope you love it too actually but you can go buy whatever you want even though it's christmas eve there's still time to buy presents or maybe you can buy it after christmas present or maybe you can buy a a, a new year's eve present you buy whatever you want you just use my amazon links it's not going to cost you anything extra no hidden fees or extra challenges so if you happen to be doing some online holiday shopping you do it through my amazon links you help out this show in the process you can knock out your whole list your whole christmas list your whole new year's eve present list anything you want you do it in one shot at amazon.com you go to podcast1.com you click on the keep our podcast free banner it's at the top of that page then you hit the talk is jericho button you bookmark it so you get all those links in one easy click okay christmas eve i want to wish all you guys a very merry christmas i want to wish you a merry christmas i want to wish you a merry christmas i want to wish you a merry christmas from the bottom of my heart Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. All right. Uh, I got the, uh, you know, I got all my presents uh, done. All my shopping's done, thankfully, because I don't have much time. Hope you guys have a great Christmas. Thank you so much for joining uh, me on this show for twice a week. I know there's hundreds and thousands of podcasts for you to schwaz from. I appreciate you schwaz and mine over and over again. I'm doing this for you guys. I love doing this show. I love performing for all of you when I'm on the road. And guess what? WWE fans, Jerichoholics. I am coming back to the WWE, the Y2J Winter Tour with the WWE, the Y2J WWE Winter Tour, and it's only select dates. And guess what? All of these dates are live events. I'm doing no TVs. I'm doing no pay-per-views for the months of January and February, only live events. Why? Because I can do that. I like working the live events. I like coming to see you guys. And two months is not enough time to come back on TV. So I thought I could still come back. Let me go do the live shows. Take it to the streets. I'll be the reverse Brock Lesnar. I just do non-televised events. <laughs> if you haven't heard, it's January 10th, Montgomery, Alabama. January 11th, Mobile, Alabama. 16th, St. Louis, 17th, Las Vegas, 18th, Houston, 23rd, Trenton, New Jersey, 24th, East Rutherford, New Jersey, 31st, Edmonton, February 1st, Calgary, Alberta, February 7th, Jacksonville, Florida, 8th, Canton, Ohio, 
Valentine's Day, I'll be in Tampa, Florida, 15th in Fort Myers, Florida, February 27th, returning to Madison Square Garden in New York City, classic, famous arena, one of my favorite places in the world to wrestle or to hopefully play in with Fozzie one of these days. February 28th, Toronto, the last date, March 1st, Buffalo, New York. That's the touring schedule for Y2J's WWE Winter Tour. There will be no more dates added, so don't ask me, are you coming here, are you coming there? Those are the shows that I'm coming to. So uh, go click on WWE.com, get tickets, come see me. I'll be rocking it, I'll be doing my thing. You will love it, I won't it. And uh, you'll also love the Cinderblock Party World Tour 2015. We're taking it overseas with the Dirty Youth, one of the biggest up-and-coming bands in the UK today. That starts on March 4th in Belfast, 5th in Cork, 6th in Dublin, all those in Ireland, of course. Then we head over to England, the, the proper UK. You can't say Ireland's part of the UK because it's not, so please don't. Sometimes people make that mistake. Then we're going over to the UK, 7th Nottingham, 8th Wolverhampton, 9th Manchester, 10th Glasgow, that's Scotland, 11th London, the Underworld, it's a big show, 12th in Bristol, 13th Exeter, 14th Southampton, 15th Brighton, those are all England shows, plus one show in Scotland. Then we head over across the pond to Europe, mainland Europe. Paris on the 17th. Praten, Switzerland. I thought it was Praten, but it's Praten. Finally figured out how to pronounce that. My friend uh, Cesaro, who's from Switzerland, told me how to pronounce that. Praten. That's on March 18th. 19th is Munich. 20th is Mannheim. Finishing off this leg of the tour on March 21st in Bochum at the Matrix in Germany. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and for all VIP information. We have the best VIP package in the world today. You will get you, uh, you'll have a great time. It'll be one of the greatest nights of your life. Come hang out with Fozzy. Come see the show, FozzyRock.com. All you need for all the information on Fozzy. All right, D. Snyder, Twisted Sister, and of D. Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas is coming up. But first, I got a very special guest. He's taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to spend a few minutes with us to promote his biggest night of the year, which is tonight. Uh, He's getting ready. He's warming up, but he's still got a, a good 10, 15 minutes to hang out with us. This is iconic. People have been waiting to get this interview for, for, for years. Years and you talking about Vince McMahon was a tough interview to get. No, no, no. This is one of the toughest interviews you can ever get. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you on the eve of his busiest night, Santa Claus is here. Hey, Santa, what's shaking, man? All right, such a, a huge honor because here on Christmas Eve, uh, on Talk is Jericho, before he gets to work, I've got uh, one of the most coveted interviews you could ever ask for. Uh, excited and happy to be talking to Santa Claus. Oh, 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 no. It's a pleasure for me, Christopher. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, I mean, it's a pleasure for me, uh, Santa Claus. I know you got a busy night tonight. Uh, So much to do, so much to do. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Where I come from, we didn't celebrate Christmas. Not because we were Jewish, but because my dad was a worthless coward whose idea of a present was a daily punch to the back of the head. He did teach me how to crack a safe, though. Talk is Jericho 
getting Chris's coffee because we yeah, got to get, get coffeeed up. I can't get any sugar, man. I got That's it. Perfect. That's all this right. is Thank caffeine, you. the drink of champions. This is it. Before the show here, we're, we're actually just we're in Dee's dressing room for the rock and it's Dee Snyder's rock and roll Christmas tale. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, to give you a short one, people out there, it's story of a struggling uh, hair metal band. Long after the air is gone. Jeez, sounds it's a familiar. Middle aged guys <laughs> uh, and uh, who refuse to let it go in spite of the fact that nobody cares. <laughs> and in a last ditch effort to find fame and fortune, they sell their souls to the devil, but they do find the magic of Christmas instead. And I, you know who Kane Hodder is? Yeah, of course. Kane he played was, Jason Voorhees in a few of the Friday 13th yes, movies. Yes, yeah. And he's a pretty legendary in the in, in, Absolutely, a, in the horror movie in the horror movie yeah. world. So he was here last night and he was watching the show, and I mean this show's got a satanic pact, it's got uh, <laughs> an exorcism, and it has uh, it has a, con- a satanic conjuring, and I swear to you. It's Christmas show, and it's a family Christmas show, and you feel Christmassy when you walk out. You go, man, I've got to feel Christmassy, you know. And and uh, and Kane Hodder said, you know, I'm watching the show, going, this is getting kind of dark here. Uh, and he goes, but damn, if it didn't turn itself around. Well, I mean, and, and you wrote this show yourself, yeah, from 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 start to finish, everything. Yes, I did. I, I wrote the show. It was it was originally what happened to my power here. Oh, there he goes. It was originally a cop. I'm making coffee while I'm talking. It's to perfect. You guys. This is the real experience. This is, this is real. This is this mm. is dr- my drug of choice. In case Behind the scenes stuff. Um, I you know originally it was a concept album for Twisted. We had had success with Twisted Christmas. Yeah, because you guys put out a Christmas album of like heavy metal Christmas yeah, tunes, basically. Which was everybody said was like was like the last nail in the coffin of our career. And to which I responded, what career? It was like 2000. It was 2006, I think. And, you know, and, and we had just done been doing reunion shows. And it was like we were getting ready to, like, wrap it up. And, uh, and JJ said, what do you think of this idea? I said, dude, Chris, Twisted Christmas. And I said, you know, I've always thought about this. I even have ideas. Why, like, why isn't there metal versions of Christmas songs? We've got, you know, you've got, you've got yeah. classical. You've got jazz. Reggae you've got versions. Euro yeah. disco dance versions. But there's never metal rock versions and i had ideas so we did this record everybody's going that's gonna kill your career you know what career is that <laughs> and uh but isn't and, like the beginning of we're not gonna take it also kind of the beginning well of, there was also that see there's oh come only faithful yeah, I'm riding, this, that goes back to yes widowmaker days i'm riding with al petrelli who you may know from yep. alice cooper megadeth he's translated he's played with everybody and we're we're riding a car and we're talking about songs that have like ripped off other songs, yeah. You know, my sweet lord, uh, that, that's uh, George Harrison, From, and uh, she's so fine. She's so fine yeah. You know, and all that, and there's a whole bunch of them. And, uh, and he goes, and, and Al goes, yeah, and of course uh, we're not going to take it. Is come all you faithful? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he goes, you don't know that? And I said, what are you talking about, man? He goes, dude. We're not going to take it. Oh, come on. He's faithful. I'm like, holy crap. All those years of singing in the choir church paid off. <laughs> it's just like, I know. Subconsciously, no right? Yeah. So that was that, too. So we did, you know, the, the Twisted Christmas thing came out. And, and that was a hit, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yeah. one of our biggest selling records ever and kept us together all this additional time because we started doing Christmas shows. and, mm. and then, But uh, then I started thinking and I said, well, you know, maybe we'll do a a concept record, kind of like a Tommy or The Wall, mm-hmm. where we portray another band on stage and to tell this story of this band. And I had this idea. But then when I went to Broadway and I did Rock of Ages, I showed my script for the concept album 
to my director, Adam Hunter. And uh, that's not me, folks. That's the, that's, that's the coffee. That's the Keurig. That's the Keurig talking. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm having stomach issues, if you heard that. Um, and he said, he came to me, he goes, I just asked, I handed him a script. I said, listen, man, give me some notes, you know. Came back, he said, A, love it. B, it's a musical. And C, mm. I want to direct it. Really? And I'm like, I said, that's what I said. I said, seriously? He goes, dude, I'm telling you, this is, you got to flesh it out. But this is more than just a concept album. This is a musical. And it's a unique musical, and it's different, and I th- it's touching. It's 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 an alternative. It's it's just like the oddest thing I've ever seen. I've ever read. And so that was 2010, and then started the road to to bring it to life. And here in 2014, we're on stage. So what is the road to bring a Broadway musical basically to life? I mean, we're in Chicago, but it's called the Broadway Playhouse. So you're on Broadway, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's the same thing. Well, the, the reason for Chicago, you, you can't. There's, there's a there's an unwritten law that you cannot debut on Broadway. Really? Yeah. It's like uh, the Broadway community considers it uh, like you're an affront. Mm. You know, so you either got to go off Broadway or you go out of town. You got to pay your dues to, yeah. to be worthy of Broadway. Yeah. And, and, and there's, big, there's certain cities that have like a theater uh, scene going on that's very acknowledged and mm-hmm. recognized. And there's a bunch from Seattle's one, San Diego. is one. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure we're in Florida, but I know there's Florida. Tampa has a Tampa. scene, yeah. Yeah, there's certain ones, and, and a lot of shows come to these towns. In Chicago, um, the same people who own the theaters in New York own the theaters here, and uh, Kinky Boots, Cindy Lauper show, yeah. it started here. The Producers, Mel Brooks show started here. Uh, so many uh, great shows have started here. And so it was like, and my lead producer is from... Chicago, he says, why don't we try it here? And you know from being out here in the Midwest, you know, rock and It's the a Midwest. rock area, yeah. yeah. It just has a connection. So you've got a city with a rock and roll heart, mm-hmm. which, you know, New York could be lacking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little snobby kind yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, when you play in New York, you know you're playing to mostly suburbanites who are traveling into the city to see to you. To see the show, yeah. Because you're not playing to the urban people. There yeah. Because it's just not their bag, baby. <laughs> baby. As it was once said. <laughs> so you came to Chicago. So how do you, how do you put together the um, – the, 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 do you have to get funding? Or, like, how does it work? Yeah, like, well, you know, um, all roads lead to Donald Trump. <laughs> Were you ever asked to do Celebrity Apprentice? Yeah. I was, a couple times. And uh, what was your... Just, it, just, it wasn't my bag, baby. I just didn't feel it at the time. I did do Dancing with the Stars, but I didn't do uh, Apprentice. Yeah, I didn't do Dancing with the Stars. But you did Apprentice. Did. Yeah, because I, I danced on uh, Gone Country. I did line dancing, and they told me I was like a spider. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> what the hell are you doing over there? Is it at least a sexy spider? Is that good? I think I was creeping out the, the female contestants on the show. So it wasn't sexy at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, I, figured, I figured they must have knocked on your they door. They did a couple times, on, yeah. They, they knock a lot, and yeah. uh, we could talk about that also. So uh, now I'm putting a sweetener in my coffee okay. for those trying to keep score. Keep your score of the I'll coffee. Keep score. Yeah, so uh, actually, and, you know, and of course, uh, Mr. Trump will take full credit, as he always does for everything. The day I was leaving the show, I had been fired. Uh, if you're fired under good circumstances, you get like a, a farewell breakfast and the producers take you out. So they asked me what was next. You know, I said, well, I've written this musical and we're going to start presenting to um, producers. You know, we're going to get ready to showcase it for them, what they call have a reading. And uh, and and Paige Fellman, her name is um, very uh, tough as nails 
producer on the sh- Trump show, and you can imagine she'd have to be. It's a tough, mm-hmm. that's a tough bunch of people to like, <laughs> corral. That's definitely that's definitely hurting kittens, no <laughs> doubt about it. Because celebrities just don't listen. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, you got well, they're not listening. It's not like a bunch of you know people who want to be on a reality show. These yeah. are celebrities who feel like they're doing you a favor. Who, who else were on your show? Was on your oh, season? Pendulette, um, uh, was there. Uh, Debbie Gibson was there. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the the, the female side versus uh, Lisa Lampanelli. Uh, Oh, Lou Ferrigno. So you've got uh, a lot of people like Dance of the Stars that are famous in other places that come into this world. So it's not the easiest group to manage. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah they, they are not. Yeah. So anyway, but she said, uh, you know, I'm, I know a producer. And this producer had, John Yanover, had been on a on a, an apprentice show as a as a as a judge mm. that was because he produced the show Memphis. Mm. Um, and so they which is, uh, you know, which David Byron. Brian, David Brian from Bon Jovi wrote oh, the music for. Oh, really? Okay. And won two Tonys. I, I mean, know I know, that. you know, yeah. Which, uh, you know, I, I always have any, it's so tough to find life after. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you know, and I have the utmost respect for anybody who has the, has the cojones, and that's what it takes to take a chance mm-hmm. and do something different. Absolutely. You know, and, and David Brian, it's Brian, right? Yeah. yeah, David Brian. David Brian was for years. Scoring things, movies, trying to get into that world, and for him to win Tony Awards, you know, for it's his huge. work, it's huge. You know, and ne- never getting any songwriting credits in Bon Jovi, oh, yeah. and now he wins and, two Tonys. And apparently, he keeps his uh, come in. Oh, is, is this is real this life? Is this a stuff? coffee yeah. delivery guy? Yeah, I'm in an interview right now. <laughs> uh, okay, how you doing, man? Thank you, bud. Um, Yes, for him to win two Tonys, that's huge. Yeah, and apparently he has them on his keyboards, on <laughs> stage, sure on tour. He hides behind John. them when John's <laughs> on his case. Just I'll tell you, you won't play I'm on his yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two Tonys. Yeah, two right here. Yeah, for songwriting. Okay, <laughs> this is, I wrote songs. Yes. I can write songs, <laughs> even though you don't recognize that. That's right, that. you don't think so. Yeah, uh, that must be <laughs> kind of funny to think about. But, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, um, they introduced me to the producer. And uh, he read the script and uh, flipped. He optioned it. And that was four years ago. And we've been on the road ever since. So on the road meaning to getting it done. Getting it done, right. But still, it's just a huge under... It's the toughest thing I've ever done. Really? Bar none. none. Really? In in what way? Just Well, um, eight shows a week. Mm -hmm. But the rehearsal schedule beforehand... And as and also you remember, I wrote the show. So as we're rewriting, as we're making adjustments, I'm wearing multiple hats on the you know on the set. But then, unlike rock and roll, which and I'm just scratching my head, perplexed over this until somebody explained it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, they oh, they have a thing called previews. Mm-hmm. They're shows with people paying, and you're doing shows, but you're rehearsing in the day, you're performing at night. And then the next day, you're making changes based oh, on the reaction of the audience. I see. Now, in rock and roll, we call that rehearsal. Mm-hmm. We rehearse, mm-hmm. and then we do our shows. Well, I found out that some producer many years ago said, why aren't we charging money to these dress rehearsals? Uh. <laughs> so we'll call them previews. They call them previews, but it sucks as a performer because you feel like you're not really – there yet. You don't really it's, know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's your dress rehearsal, mm. uh, really sort of weird mode, yet you've got people there, and you know, yeah, it's, it's called previews, but they're 
they're watching it, judging it, just sure. as any of us would. Are, are they allowed in the to wrestling re- world? You know, rehearsal. Oh, we're going to watch you guys. Right, we're going right, to watch right, you guys right. train. But I guess it would be like maybe when you first put together a set when you start a tour, and you know this show, this song isn't really working here. Let's move it here. Let's drop it. Let's cut it. Let's add something. That is, is it that true. type of vibe. And that is done. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember, uh, and this is you know to tell a family secret, but you know, twisted. Stay Hungry, when Stay Hungry started, we were like the most credible thing in the world. Right. By the end of Stay Hungry, we were like a pop band. That's so, yeah, that's so crazy. It's crazy, and it's, and you, and you go like, what happened? It's like, it's, nothing's changed except people's, the audience has changed. And what's happened is the people who loved you in the beginning, who are your core audience, are now turned off to the fact that their 12 year old brother or sister is listening. Wow. And that, that, pop music fan is listening and now they feel somehow cheated so what they do is, is, is ba- abandon the band because they've sold out mm-hmm. well the fact is all you've done is played the same damn music and on the same show you were doing since the tour started mm-hmm. nothing's changed just that people got turned on to you and the uh, and the real thing and and this is you know as a fan i was called it the diamond in the pocket theory and that is like when we find a band and I, there was a time where I found Queen. Mm. When the early days, I'm not talking about Freddie Fat Bottom Girls. I'm talking when they were a metal band when You're they started. Ogre Attack, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, Dragon Attack, Ogre Battle, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. You know, and ACDC, mm. like out of the gate. You know, you find these bands and you like. You're trying to tell the world, check this band out. Look at this diamond. Look at this diamond. And people aren't listening to you. And you're carving the name in the desktop and you're telling mm. the world because you know this band is a diamond. Mm. Then suddenly the world acknowledges that diamond and it's taken out of your hand it was yours yeah and now it's put on display yeah for millions of people and you're being pushed to the back of the pack where you're saying i was uh, i was there first I was there yeah. and then all of a sudden this sense of abandonment like and you feel I, and i you know and i understand it because i felt it with acdc i felt it with queen like i had lost something when did you feel queen queen did that? nothing just that it was these people coming up, kids coming up to me going, dude, love Queen's first album, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Like, dude, <laughs> it's like the fifth album. You know, I mean, and ACDC, yeah. little back of block, first yeah. record. You know, no, they had like four albums. Right. They had a whole other singer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They had other singers. They had other, yeah. you know, so. I had, had that with Metallica when the Black Album came out. It was like, oh, what happened to my band? And now they're like everywhere. I hated it. Yeah, right. Metallica yeah. suffered, and it's not the band. And I know Queen didn't do anything. I know yeah. ACDC didn't do anything. It's more just that. Northern si- Twisted Sister. Yeah, right, that feeling you have of loss, mm-hmm. and so you kind of lose interest in the band. And, and I remember coming out uh, for the come out and play tour to start, and we had our usual set of blistering metal, you know. And and you know, of course, we always did anthemic things. And walked out, and the first show, looking at an audience of teeny boppers, mm-hmm. an audience of like Duran Duran, are they going eighties? Pretty stuff, much, yeah. Pop fans, not metalheads, and going what? the hell happened mm-hmm. you know like while you were away your audience left yeah. you know and you got a new one and they're excited but they don't want to hear under the blade yeah they don't want to hear that they want to hear the you know the fun songs mm-hmm. and we like literally like you said we went and the it, happen- it happened so fast you know, I guess the same thing kind of happened to Kiss, but it was a, a you know seven eight year thing. But reading your book, "Shut Up and Give Me the Mic," which is a great tale of of of, of rock and roll, of success, of failure, of success again, I highly suggest you, you go check it out. And go. like your own, 
self-written. Self-written, right. Every yeah, word. Both of us encouraged by Mick Foley. That's right. Uh, to try our own hand at it because people don't do that. Usually. I didn't want anybody touching my story. No. Nobody could tell. Like I could. But just reading the book about how hard you guys worked, how big you were in New York, and how, how legendary Twisted Sister was, and then to see the, the switch flip so quickly. Because I remember I was part of the fan base. I remember how quickly it switched. It, you it, know? it, was, it was ugly. And, and I partially... The reason for that is MTV had a lot to do with that. Overplaying you, or yeah, you know, MTV, you know, and, and it's not like they 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 get it was like a, it was nitrous ox, it was nitrous for your vehicle. Mm. It you know it just it allowed bands to blow up much more quickly. And I recently there's been people for some reason I was interviewed and I said in an interview that I never expected the Twisters to be as big as it was, mm-hmm. and I thought that it would just be a band that went around from town to town as Bands like us did, because we started in the 70s, mm-hmm. and you just played and sold records, and you mm-hmm. played and you mm-hmm. sold records, and it was that kind of thing. And maybe you got a gold album, and you kept doing it, and you know, some, and, and people, you never really had that, you weren't a household word, you weren't yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On, on top 40 radio, that didn't happen to right. bands like us. But with MTV, that just gave a, a platform for exposure, but it was a very, it was an intense overexposure, too. Mm. And, and, you know, I always said that, you know, it was like the comedians who went on Johnny Carson. It was a great thing for their career. Anybody young listening, there was a guy named Johnny Carson, <laughs> but he before Jay Leno. But like any of those late, late but back, if you could go on Carson as a stand-up, it was huge. Right, was huge, and this is huge. back when there was no cable. Right, so there was only three or four channels. Everybody's watching Carson, but the comedian said it was the greatest thing for your career. But all that material you did that night was burnt out. Mm, you can never do it again. You never do it again. Yeah. Unlike a rock band who you can play the song, people want to hear the song again and again. If the audience knows the punchline, right. the joke is useless. Yeah. So so that was kind of MTV. We did a, a, a con- now go back to Kiss. You mentioned Kiss. You know, and I was a Kiss fan. You could only see Kiss on tour. There was no video. Mm-hmm. There was no forum other than going to see them that one moment, trying to take it all in, wow, yeah. and then going back and talking about it, and just your brain was fried. great point. Yeah, right? Now MTV comes along, Stay Hungry concert, filmed, shown 18 times in 1984. 18 times. Wow. That was our live show. Yeah. And sold for the first, now sold on, on it was sold on uh, VHS. VHS. Yeah, I had it. Uh, yeah. So now you could watch it over and over and over. It, it, it really over, didn't give you that thing mm-hmm. where you had to go back every year. Yeah, why do I got to see him again? I've I can got, just watch it. Yeah. I can just watch it again. That's interesting. That's a great point. Do you think that, um, and you talk about it in the book, but you kind of had the, 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 the videos were great. I mean, you were pioneers in that field, having the intro and it was fun. And maybe you might look at it and go like, oh, this is kind of, I don't know, corny or whatever. But I thought it was great and so did a lot of other people. Do you think that that maybe went too far, though, with like leader of the pack and all that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we'll start, go back. That, I wrote the videos. And uh, but and that got me into the world of writing, and I wrote you know since then I've written and sold television shows, movies. Um, I've only had one movie produced, Strange Land. Right. Uh, I've written a musical now, but um, but that the video idea was my out of my head. And Marty Colner, to his credit, rather than being th- threatened by this young kid coming in with this crazy idea. He recognized what it was. And, Is he the director? Yeah. yeah. And I talk about Marty in the book, who just who did, you know, that was his first rock video. And he went on to do all the, the Aerosmith and Whitesnake and just, you know, Gazillion is like one of the premier mm-hmm. one of the video guys. director, one of the guys. But he was, um, 
the coolest guy, and he just encouraged me and said, well, what are you seeing? And, what, and he said, look, let's work together on this. And so we teamed up, which was just really that was a game changer for me. But when we delivered that video, no one was doing a, a story video mm-hmm. like that. It was An intro, unheard of. Yeah. And as I said in the book, and, uh, you know, and thank you for, uh, for taking the time to read it, Chris. I appreciate that. That's great. Um, I said in the book that when that video was delivered to MTV, Les Garland, the head, he hated it. He said, that's not a rock video. That's method acting. And that was his exact <laughs> words. And, 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 you know, technically you had people acting and, uh, and rock videos of that. They were like a lot of flashing lights and images and there was no storyline. Yeah. So they never let We're Not Gonna Take It get out of medium rotation at MTV. Because hmm. Les Garland said it's not a rock video. Now, the thing is just like, you know, it's considered one of the greatest videos and inspired that whole new generation, sure. of, uh, even Michael Jackson and Van Halen, yeah, yeah, the yeah, teacher, yeah. Yeah. They, these things didn't exist before Twisted's video. So when we do I Want to Rock, which was literally the sequel, mm-hmm. Les Garland gets that video and goes, now, this is a rock video. <laughs> it's the same freaking video. Just now it's in the school. Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, but that's, that's the way of the world. But, yeah, that, that video was a game changer for everybody. Yes, sure it was. So I, and, I, you know, and I loved it. But you went to, your, to what you said. But now I, I got, you know, I became really a megalomaniac. I just lost my freaking mind because I had success. Mm. And finally, after all those years of saying, now I could really say to everybody, <laughs> which was stupid, and um, wasn't listening to anybody. And by the time we got to the leader of the pack, somebody pointed out that I had literally written the band out of the script. Of the video. Yeah. And, and, and they're in there physically, but we're not playing. Mm. We never pick up an instrument. Hmm. And after the fact, somebody said to me, and I was like, whoa. You know, like, I got so carried away with the creativity of writing a script that I lost sight of the fact that we were first and foremost a rock band. And what message does that send to your audience Mm -hmm. when the band is just there as a prop? Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Plus playing a a cover song of a 50s tune or whatever it was. Everything was a long call. I know, and I thought I was so slick because Twisted... Yeah, we used to play that song in the bars, and mm-hmm. we used to play. That was like very popular. We used to do when we would do in our early, early days. We would do it, and back then it was cool. But the whole everything had changed. Like I said, the, the perception of us had changed. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. coming out with that song, with this video, where the band's not rocking, the wrong song, the wrong video, mm-hmm. the wrong everything, it was just a kiss of death to the band at that point. Right, right, and that was kind of like like you said, it was only a matter of time until you were basically done. After being oh, yeah. so working so hard to get there, and and to come out and play record, people go, "That's great stuff on there." Yeah, but you know, it's it's perception. You know, if I had and I and I actually I, I actually counseled Skid Row hmm. with their follow up with their follow up record to the first one. Oh, for I said grind? whatever you do, yeah, come out hard. Hmm. I said because I remember talking to Snake and and, yeah. and, and Sebastian and everybody, and I said because. We, you know, we we ended like you ended on "I Remember You," mm-hmm. and right now your fans are going, "Are they a metal band, or are they a pop, pop band? band?" And we made the mistake of coming out with a pop song. Wow! After the price and all the publicity and all that stuff, and we could have come out with something on there like "I Believe in Rock and Roll" or "Kill," you know, just something. Come out oh, yeah. with like a sledgehammer yeah. and have people go, "Oh, they're still a metal band," you know. But no. The moron. I'm pointing to myself. It's radio, I know, but I'm pointing to myself. Uh, the moron went with the big pop song. I thought I was so sh- so slick mm-hmm. that I was going to win over the entire world. 
But when I told guys at Skid Row, and they came out with uh, with Monkey Business, yes, and they came out hard. That's a great point, man. Yeah, and they, so they they were paying. They they listened. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> they saw me driving whatever it was, driving my Ford or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. I said, "Listen to that guy. He lost everything." <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when when you know when Come Out and Play basically came and went and it kind of had all gone away so fast? Like, what was your future? What were you thinking? You know it. it the ego and this and, and this is um, again. I feel I'm, 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 I know your readers haven't or your listeners haven't read the book, and you have. Yeah. But it's the, the ego that gets you there won't allow you to believe it's over. Mm-hmm. And people say, "How do you lose everything?" And there's most people know I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I was in control of my destiny. There was no. I can't blame a manager, blame anybody. I blame. I can only blame myself. I was. I was driving the damn. I was driving the yeah. freaking boat, whatever it was, as it was going down. <laughs> and um, you, uh, you know, you just the ego that got you there won't allow you to believe it's over, and to do a smart thing and say, you know what, the money's, you know, I got to pull back, pull mm-hmm. back, cause save the money you've got. No, it says next album, next tour. You borrow, you advance. Mm-hmm. You're so that same crazy ego. You, you I could fix this. I could fix this. I could fix this. And then one day, people are saying, yeah, we're not giving you any more money. Mm. And we don't want to do another record, and you're done. And the band breaks up, and you're like, "Whoa, I'm like a million dollars in the hole." Wow. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm picking an arbitrary number, but I'm sure it was that. Yeah, close. And to I've got the and then the music scene changes. You know, the, then grunge hits, mm. and it's like you it's like you spent a lifetime learning a form of medicine. It's like I specialize in in working with cancer patients, and then they cure cancer. Yeah, and you're like, what? What? Wait, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> but I, this is what I do. But I've got yeah, a we don't, cold. don't Sorry. need that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. It's like everything. The way I moved, the way I sang, the way I wrote songs, the way I thought. You're a rock guy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You know. Uh, an old school High dinosaur rock. Right. Legs spread, none of this legs together crap. Like you just, just had your gym great shorts. Great point, man. Gym shorts pulled down around your ankles. I was like, that's what those fans look like. Great point. They're jumping up and down like someone just pants them. <laughs> <laughs> no, legs spread, man. Show your junk. Yeah. It's all about showing your junk. <laughs> There's the quote of the show right there. It's all about showing your junk. I mean, how old were you that time, like in 91, 92? I, I, Early see, 40s? We were older. I, yeah. I, had, I, I remember turning 91. Yeah, okay. So I was approaching 40 at that point. Yeah. So still a really young guy, but feeling like a dinosaur in your, 30, in your late 30s. It's like not a, not a good place to be. And you're married. You've got three kids now. Wow. And you've run, lost. You've run out. You've just used all the money. And no one wants to lend you anything. You've got, you've done one thing with your life. You focused on one. That's all you've thing. done. That's all you've yeah. done. As myopic, and I always felt that that myopicness, that focus, is what drove me. And I, I still think it did. At the same time, when it gets taken away, it leaves you with no mm. options. And and you know, I literally was a point where at one point I was riding a bicycle to a desk job for two hundred dollars a week answering phones. Wow. And this is nineteen ninety two. All right, so, and people are coming into the office going, aren't you, and I'm lying, and I'm going, no. And they're going, wow, you look just like him. And I'm going, I know, it's crazy, right? If only, if only. And <laughs> that, that guy's rich. Thankfully, yeah. people can imagine that a rock star could make, make it and lose it all in just a matter of, 
five years time there's a great story in your book of you flyering cars for your wife's bridal uh makeup business yeah and the cop chasing you or something yeah well i mean that that was the that was at that moment which and i actually start my book there with that yeah and and i was uh my, my wife suzette and I, I talked about it before to her credit you know like when i lost everything she was like you know, as I had no work, and she had a hairdresser's license. She did all the costumes and makeup, the bone for the logo, band, yeah. everything. She was like the the force behind. And it. she's a really pretty girl too. You really overmarried in that yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah you just, got lucky. That's got, just the personality that got her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> believe me, she was repulsed. It was. She used the word repulse. You repulsed me, and I, that's the girl. I gotta have that one. She actually used yeah. the word repulse. Yeah, yeah. I don't want I don't, this skank. I don't think here. I've ever heard that word used in a sentence before. Yeah, I don't want this skank who actually yeah. wants to be. With me, I want this girl who's running the other way. Who I repulse? That shows that because that shows intelligence. Fear is a sign of intelligence. <laughs> you see a guy like me coming to you, run. Uh, you know. So, uh, but she said, "Well, you know, I can go work in a salon." Mm -hmm. And she literally worked in a salon, like washing hair, which is like the most, she had the most menial job mm -hmm. in the world. But this is the kind of girl she is, and this is how desperate we were. And she said, "You know." I can make like a hundred bucks doing makeup for weddings on weekends. I said, well, cool. You know what? I'll go to these bridal expos and I'll put flyers on cars. So uh, I remember this moment. I'm literally at this lowest point. I remember I'm, I'm, it's raining. I'm out flying cars. It's moronic really because mm. they get wet and they're useless. <laughs> but, and, I'm, and I start getting chased. And uh, well, first thing that happens is another guy flying cars sees how fast I fly our cars because I just want to get out of there before anybody <laughs> recognizes me and offers me a job. Says, hey, dude, you're really good at that. You want to fly our cars for me? I'm like, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Pull my hood up. So now I, the security starts chasing me out because they don't want you in the parking lot flying cars. Yeah. And I'm running for my life because not because I'm afraid of, of uh, you know, the wedding expo security <laughs> staff. It's just I'm going, they're going to recognize me and wow. go, what are you doing here wow. in the parking lot? I, it was just so humiliating. But my wife was picking up 100 bucks mm -hmm. doing a wedding on a weekend, and we had three kids. It, it's almost like that movie The Wrestler, if you've seen it, with Mickey Rourke, where he has to get a job working in the deli. Of course I've seen you it. Know, and they're like, aren't you Randy the Ram? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not. Exactly. Like, wow. What, 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 so what was... Like the first project to kind of pull you back out of this because you do a lot of stuff. And obviously yeah. now here we are, you know, backstage Voice. at your Broadway play. Voiceover. Voiceover. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, the Howard Stern and, and Howard and, and was a godsend to me. He, the first person to recognize me to have value beyond just a couple of songs. The band, yeah. He, Saw my personality. He saw my voice. He saw my talent on the Except air. Is that from being on his show? Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I, there was a time when he was in New York where I would do his show three, four times a week. I would ride into the city with him and his limo in the morning, and then we would ride and went do five hours of show and I'd ride back. Okay, with him. I'm going to turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> There's a speaker in the room. Everybody's we're gearing up for the show, but we're yeah. still good, man. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, we're good. So. Uh, yeah, and he would, um, you know, but he, like, would encourage me. He said, man, you could do radio. You could do voiceover. You're good. And he literally introduced me to agents and would go into agents at the Don Buckwell agency and say, you really should talk to Dick. I think he'd be really good. To have that kind of guy mm -hmm. stepping up for you, just when people, when he spoke, even when he was just in New York, he was such a powerhouse. Right. People would listen. So I got a voiceover agent, and they sent me out, and I booked 
And I remember we're broken. I get a, and and if pe- people don't know, but the voiceover people are happiest people in the world. <laughs> you get paid ridiculous money. You get residuals, which means money every time it so airs. Like commercials, yeah, or commercials. whatever. Yeah. And I started getting commercial work, doing voice work, and uh, so that was the first. And that started like whoa. What was the biggest commercial that you did? The biggest. Because I know I've heard your voice on a few things. You know, I, I've done a whole bunch of stuff. The, the, the one, but you're not from the New York area. No. The one that that got me out. There was a local. Um, Lottery commercial called Quick Draw. <laughs> Quick Draw from the New York Lottery. A game this good comes along only once every five minutes. And it was, and that was, and they, and they just was like used and used. And the, my mailbox starts filling up with checks. I mean, thousands of dollars. Of wow. Money, and we're broke. And so it was like, oh my God. So that happened. Then I got, um, I, I wanted to get into radio and I was struggling. I, 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 so I, I met an agent. He said, look, dude, no one's going to give you a show. Just, because you're D. Mm-hmm. So I went and I got like a, a, a 10 to midnight metal show Sunday nights out on a little podunk station, $3.57 an hour, doing everything <laughs> myself. I didn't even pay the gas. I used to go and I'd just do everything myself. I did that for a year, and uh, that led to the House of Hair, mm. which is now in its 18th year. Wow. I just recorded show 893. No kidding. Yeah. How many affiliates? Oh, 220. Wow. In North America. It's amazing. So, so, and then I did mornings. So, radio, once I started doing radio, then I started, now I had a career. So, radio and voiceover, and then other things started to happen. Then Celine Dion. See, this is another thing that that I I, I was going to, I thought about it while we were sitting here. You wrote a song or songs. Song, singular. For Celine Dion. I didn't write it for Celine. My wife. (laughs) In the, in the height of my metal-headedness, right. she said, write me a Christmas song. And I said, what are you, insane? She go, I said, Christmas songs are genre-specific. You like, mm. When's the last time you heard a new Christmas song that sounded Christmassy? You yeah. don't. It's, it's so rare. Right. You know, it's, and, and she goes, well, you can do it. You're a classically trained countertenor, which I am. I was a classical singer. Mm-hmm. Even when I, always the same, I was always in choir in while choir, I was singing yeah. rock. And... Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I get this idea, pops in my head, a not a rock song. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a Christmas song. It just flies in my head. I can't even sing it. It's out of my range. Mm-hmm. So I hire people to do it. I record it as a gift for my wife for Christmas. What's it called? It was called then called God Bless Us Everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, I give it to her Christmas. Well, one of the engineers, a couple, few years later, becomes a Grammy Award winning producer named Rick Wake. And he calls me one day, and he goes, and we're friends. He goes, are you sitting down? And I'm like, yeah, why? <laughs> he goes, Celine Dion wants to record God Bless Us Everyone. And Celine, at this time, is and she's well, still I mean, big, but she's Celine. Yeah. And I was like, first thing I said is, does she know who wrote it? <laughs> and he said, I didn't tell her yet. I said, do not tell her. <laughs> Satan wrote a Christmas song. He goes, seriously? I said, seriously, dude. Just put it on <laughs> yeah. the freaking album. Yeah. He goes, well, he goes, one of the things, she wants to change the name to the magic of Christmas Day. God bless us, everyone. I said, Rick, I don't care if she calls it, this song is a pile of dog <laughs> Just put it on the album. You know, 8 million copies that later. That sold? 8 million internationally. And then it was on Rosie O'Donnell's Christmas album. Sold another 2 million. We call our house the house St. Celine built. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, so so that, is this singularly written by D. Snyder? D. Snyder. So you get full publishing. Yeah. For, wow. And this is, is, it a, is it a Christmas album that she released? Yeah, yeah. So Eight every, million copies. Yeah. Every year it's on the radio. And it's actually we, it's the finale of, of the Dude, Rock that is Christmas so day. insane. And, and it's the only song I ever wrote not, for, to, not to sell. 
yeah. not to record for and money. Of course, it's the biggest and, seller. Well, I think ultimately, as it continues to get covers and stuff. Did you know. have you ever met Celine? No, I've heard that she found out years later mm. and was very confused. Just that guy, <laughs> yeah. that guy wrote it because we were huge in Canada. And <laughs> you she, were, yeah. And, and she's like, she's like the one with the makeup, with the, the bone, big giant the bone. blonde hair, and the bone. Yeah, very confused. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, but, but that's the thing, though. You had the experience, and even though you had these horrible times, you still had influenced a lot of people, give a lot of people a lot of joy, and you could still write a song. So. Even though you're having these tough times, you must have known deep down inside, like, man, I know I can do something to, to, to get back I believe on top. in my creativity, but you and I both know that does not guarantee there's That's so right. many talented That's people right. out there, so many great musicians. And this is something I said in my rebuttal to Gene Simmons in his Rock is so Dead. Rock is Dead, yeah. Thing, is saying, you know, first of all, I, you know, he says, where are the Dylans? Where are the Pink Floyds? Where are the Henry? They're there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they don't get a spotlight shine right. on them anymore. There's so much talent out there. And it sucks that young bands can't even expect to make a living doing yeah. it. But you know what? They're still doing it. And they're doing it for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They freaking love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the talent is out there. And I knew I had the talent. But will I get the chance again? Will right, someone right, right. shine the light and say, you know, hey, D. Snyder, that's a really good thing you wrote. Or D. Snyder, it's a good song you wrote. Because it was just falling. You know, I was trying for years after Twisted Demise with Desperado and Widowmaker and just, just failure after failure. And I knew I was writing good stuff. It just wasn't. You know, I wasn't in vogue. The music scene had changed. You know, and it just—it's when you started doing things outside the box that it started happening again. You know. Now we're talking about D. Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas Tale. Do you sing in the show? I do actually. I do actually uh, sing in the show. Of course, people would be kind of upset if I didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I actually, uh, the odd. This is a show where there's actually an encore, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I come out for the encore, and they let me. They let me tear it loose a little bit yeah. uh, because uh, wearing, a, a, wearing a sport coat and sitting in a narrator's <laughs> chair is, uh, while it's entertaining, it doesn't, isn't what I do. Right. So uh, I get to tear it up at one point. Is there a difference between singing on a, on a Broadway stage uh, and singing on a rock show? On a well, stage? In, within the show, huge difference. And that, is, uh, and that was a, a sort of rude awakening of theater. In rock, you face your audience. You face, mm-hmm. you look into the, the look at the Moist beast eyes, yeah. and you confront you know and and uh and you could probably relate to this a bit from your wrestling days uh in in uh in broadway you don't look at the audience mm. you don't acknowledge the audience it, the whole thing is you're not supposed to react right that's or the third wall character yeah. they call it the fourth wall fourth wall yeah, right yeah. so uh and and you know so like that was really weird for me to not acknowledge a reaction or lack of reaction and in one night in particular I, I was in the show rock of ages and by this time people have seen it, and the movie is. Uh, Tom Cruise insisted they rewrite the show, and he, mm-hmm. he wanted to be brooding. He's an idiot. Uh, that was like terrible. He ruined the show. It did. It was a yeah, great it was, show. Yeah. It great is show. a great show. Funny as hell. Yes. Um, but my character, I played. I played Dennis Dupree, the club owner, mm. and when he finds out that. In the end, while he's still on stage, that there's a soliloquy, and they find out that a couple of years later he dies, <laughs> and he's on stage when he is. And he, wait, what? He's like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, man, you're dead. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm on stage doing his part, and it's a very funny moment. And a guy in the front row goes, "Thank God." <laughs> 
And I'm standing, he's right there, and I'm looking at the other actor, and I'm going, now, if this is a rock show, um, what did you say, mother? I'm like, I'm like, I'm stopping the song, yeah. you know. You're and going I to old school to, D. Snyder. Yeah, so, but I'm a theater now. I had professionals. <laughs> yes. so I had to bite me. I'm like, <laughs> and walk off stage. This is the guy I remember one time uh, in the Winnipeg Arena, you guys were opening for me, and some guy had his hand on the stage or something, and you stepped on his hand. He said, get your hand off my stage. And I was like, yeah. What are you, in show business? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Speaking of Twisted Sister, I mean, do you guys still do shows? You still do? Uh, I know you did. Uh, I think it was Vakin last year or something. Yeah, or... less and less and less. But mm. still together. I mean, we've got a couple shows booked. I mean, basically, as you know, life goes on. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not about living in the past. Sure. I love the past. I love. I'm proud of it. I, 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 you know, I love the guys. And when we get together, it's a blast. Uh, and, and the audience is great, but I'm always trying. I'd much rather show you, hey, look at this thing I just made that nobody gives a right, crap about. Right, right, but right. I'm so of course. into this because it's now and it's something yeah. I'm passionate about now. And I know you can understand, I understand that, that so. because because you're proud of what you do, but but you always want to be challenging yourself and you want to find something new. And some things work and some things don't work, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but as a result, as more and more things work. And as more radio and, and theater and things oh, like yeah, that play, start, yeah. I have less time to go what I call back to the future. Great <laughs> Scott Marty! It's, twist, it's a Twisted Sister reunion show! They're alive! Um, and uh, but when we do, we freaking tear it up. We have some of the best reviews of our lives, but I think it's mainly because they're shocked. That they're like, they're still around. Yeah, he's, holy crap, they're still like still, running around yeah, and he's in yeah, shape yeah. and he's nuts. Well, you're in great shape and you're still a great singer too, oh, which, thanks, is, which is which which is is killer. Yeah. You actually, we played Download last year. I didn't get a chance to come see you. We were playing right around the same time as you were. We were yeah. on one stage on the other side. We tore it up pretty good. Yeah, we yeah, tore yeah, it up pretty it. good. I think what, Fall Out Boy was on stage at the same time. That's right, yeah. exactly. What uh, Last question, what's your favorite uh, Twisted Sister song or some of them besides the obvious? ones you know what uh, i never say the obvious ones and it's not and i love the obvious ones sure. for obvious reasons they've they've provided me and my family because <laughs> because now that things turned around and i got out of that hole uh and the licensing thing is coming to play during commercials uh, yeah and, it's yeah. it's crazy the, the revenues that they generate the spongebob squarepants my son sang that song when he was like two or three years old it's like that's not the original. SpongeBob wrote this song. Yeah. No, he didn't. I just want to say, goofy goofy. said, "How you know?" I remember. I, I tell you the call. I get a call. D. The SpongeBob movie wants to use. I want to rock. I'm like, awesome. Oh, God, I know yeah. it's a six figure deal. <laughs> I got two kids in college. Yeah. I'm like, yes. He goes, one caveat, and uh, you know, actually, I didn't know it was a six figure deal. He goes, they want to call it Goofy Goober Rock. I was like, are you kidding me? My song? What? How much? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, we'll do. Goofy Goober it Goofy is. Goofy Rock, just put it on the freaking album. He, he used to go nuts when that song came yeah. out. Yeah, so that was a, well, my favorite song is, because uh, Twisted is, is uh, you know, is for most people, it's just sort of pigeonholed and defined by a couple of anthems, which I'm proud of, but we were way more than that. We come from an era where we judge bands by a, uh, by a body of mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. but MTV, and when you, when you cross into the pop world, it becomes defined by a song. Mm. And so for me, it's You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Wow, yeah. You Can't Stop Rock and Roll because we were a metal, we are a metal band, we always were a metal band, and it's an anthem in its own right, so it sort of combines, to me, you know, what, twi- what Twisted 
really was a metal band, but an anthemic one. Sure. You know, so, yeah. uh, and, and that really is a song that defines that. And that song is the show, too. Is it? Oh, yeah. This is like kind of a, a mix of jukebox, <laughs> twisted stuff. Because remember, I told you it was supposed to be a twisted concept, concept album. Right. So I, I wrote it with twisted music and Christmas music and then some original new stuff. And then um, it got turned into a musical and the, and the music stayed. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see the show, man. It's great to get a chance to, to, to come see Brother. you. Thank Always you so a blast. Much. Thanks for the coffee. Uh, and uh, I'll, I will be in the front row. I'm going to stay for the whole thing. I'm not leaving because you told me if I leave early, I have to sit in the back. Yes. So I ain't doing that. <laughs> you got a good seat there. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking. Except louder and longer and you move your voice up and down. All right, thanks to Dee Snyder, such a, a, a positive, fun guy. Love talking to him. And remember, if you live in Chicago, Chicago area, if you're coming in from out of town, there's still time to see his Broadway musical, Dee Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas. You can get tickets at dsnyder.com. You won't regret it. It's so funny. It's a great show. Very proud of Dee for putting this together. Thanks also to Santa Claus for uh, uh, coming and, and being on the show. Uh, hopefully he finds some chimney sweeps tonight. Uh, when he's delivering his, his his millions and millions of presents to everybody's house. Remember, even if you don't believe in, in, in Santa Claus, be careful when you're walking around today because you might bump into him. He's a big, uh, big, jolly, fat guy, so be careful. And if you feel like rocking, to some classic Twisted Sister Christmas carols. They sing about Santa. They sing, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. It sounds exactly like we're not going to take it. It's great, remember? We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. Oh, come, holy, faithful, joyful, and triumphant. How did D not know? It's so close. It's like Wild Thing and Louie Louie have the same riff. How did they not know? Wild Thing. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, oh we gotta go. Dun, dun, Louie Louie. Dun, 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 dun. You make my heart sing. See, it's the same riff. How did D not know that? Hey, listen, you can go check it out for yourself. You can buy that Twisted Christmas. You can buy it on Amazon. You get the new Fozzie record. Do you want to start a war? You buy that on Amazon. You get the new Chris Jericho book, The Best in the World at What I Have New Idea, the third New York Times bestseller you get that on amazon remember if you're going to do that use my talk is jericho links great easy way to support this show you can find so many great things on amazon you can buy anything you want on amazon and you know how to find my amazon links right say it with me now say it together one two three podcast one.com and click on the keep our podcast free banner at the top of the page podcast one.com and click on the keep our podcast free banner at the top then that's hard to chant but you know what i'm talking about you click on talk is jericho you'll see all three of my amazon links uk usa canada hey every time you do that amazon kicks back a little cash to this show so we can keep doing this for you for free for a week no extra fees or hidden charges you're just getting your shopping done you help me out in the process it's the easiest way to support this show so thank you so much for being here uh during the christmas season hope you got a little christmas cheer with santa claus and d snyder on his rock and roll christmas uh we'll be back on friday 
today, but in the meantime and in between times, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. And on Friday, it's London is Jericho. I did a live show, a spoken word show back in the summertime in London at Leicester Square Theater. Got some Q&As from all you fine people. Got a lot of great questions who came out over those two nights, two sold-out shows. I'm putting it together for you on Friday. London is Jericho. Come check it out. You have a great Christmas. I hope you get all your dreams. Be good to each other. Love each other. Uh, Happy birthday, Jesus Christ. We love you, too. And a big, yeah, boy, we'll see you on Friday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastONE.com. I could feel the Christmas noose beginning to tighten. Maybe what happened next was inevitable. Ralphie? What would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider carbon action two and two rings while I arrive. No. Shoot your eye out. Oh, no. It was the classic mother BB gun block. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out.